0: Good morning. Just got to get comfortable, you know. If I get comfortable, I can feel relaxed, and I can just release whatever God's going to say. Amen to that. Um, wow. It's good. I was talking to um, Brett the other week and uh, just discussing the dynamics and just thinking, trying to think big picture. Um, and Brett just said, he just asked the question, are we, are we a front door? Are we a front door? And, um, you know, just I'm looking at, at, at things and seeing what God's doing in people's lives. And I get, get, get real excited, I really do. Uh, I get excited that Maddie's going away for three months and um, coming back most probably for another month or two and then going away for good so that we can all visit her in Japan. Amen. And uh, thanks for setting up home for us in Japan, Matty. Uh, it's really good. You know, once you start knowing missionaries, you, you know, me and Angie flew around the world and we only went where we knew people. Uh, we had one more place to go and we we're like, but well, we don't know anyone else anywhere, so we can't go there. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, just uh, just seeing her uh, do her stuff and, and, and looking to God to move on, it's, it's real exciting to see Janine come back from Cambodia and... Uh, Rethinking taking the boys to Peru. I'm sure they'd be real excited about that. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and just, uh, you know, we see seeing people come and go. And, but it's real exciting when you, when you see people come into a community, but then want to go further. And uh, I suppose have that, that front door mentality that people come in, uh, most probably uh, come under the influence of God. Uh, and, and what he wants for their lives and, and go bigger and deeper and emotionally spread broader and uh, when we was, so we were just thinking about that whole front door concept uh, we Bridgewater a front door um, into uh, not just uh, the world but even into our own community uh, we a place where people uh, come and find God and, and then maybe do something else and that's a uh, it's kind of I, I find that exciting. I don't know about you. Uh, I think um, you know it, it's it's hard if a person comes into the front door, but goes more out the back door. If you understand the concept, because they run out the back door or sneak out the back door due to something in their own heart, um, that that's a different perspective. But when they come in the front door and just want to uh, go into a, a bigger space or a bigger place with God in this world. And that's exciting, and I, and I want to I really uh, encourage that. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I want people to see that God's a big God, and He, he rules a big world. And, and that's the place where we got to go. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's good to see Maddie's going to uh, have three months in, in um, I think, it's uh, in the city, and then uh, continue to press towards Japan. So keep praying for her. It's, uh, she's, still, she's still here in Australia. Um, and so keep praying that, that she would continue to hear the voice of God in that area and uh, before she uh, totally uh, goes overseas in, in Japan uh, in maybe September sometime. So just keep thinking of her as she's, she's training over there in, um, in the city. Anyway, um, <clears throat> this morning I want to talk about the dryness in the desert, um, which is, you know, when you, before you've... Uh, ever come to Australia, if you're in New Zealand like we were, it's pretty hard to find a desert in New Zealand. And um, one of the amazing things about coming over here is just looking at your bush and thinking, what, what a piece of scrub. That's what you think at first. You don't really, I didn't really appreciate the Australian bush until maybe a few years ago. Uh, but when, you, when you've come from New Zealand, it's obviously totally different. It's very dry. And then the further you go out west... Um, I suppose it's very dry out there as well and I've been out west in in real dry times and um, been kangaroo shooting and um, have enjoyed uh, that time shooting kangaroos in the the middle of nowhere kind of. and and it's real dry and then you kind of go back to New Zealand and you see the difference in greenery Uh, one of the first things I noticed anyway every time I go back is how green it is in New Zealand but didn't really appreciate the Australian uh, scrub I would call it Maybe until a few years ago is where, where I just started maybe seeing more of the natural beauty of um, the Australian bush and how it can grow in dry, t- dry times. It doesn't always need rain. And, um, but then when it does rain, it goes totally chaotic. And uh, I know in my house, I feel like I'm ever cutting something. And um, so, you know, like I do actually pray for no rain because then I don't have to mow my lawns. And so I do. I really do. I really think, man, I wish this rain would stop, so I don't have to mow lawns. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. And so I just I've appreciated the dryness of that. The other morning, I um, was uh, about to get up and go for a run, and I felt the Lord say to me, "This morning you'll go for a walk." And I thought, no, no I won't go for a walk. I'll go for a run, you know. And uh, just felt God was saying, you know, when I want you to just walk this morning. And not run, because when you walk, you're you're more focused on me and what I'm trying to um, say to you. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll go for go for a walk. You know, uh, I wasn't real keen on a walk. I was keen to have a run. I really was. I, I'd um, I'd played Oztag the night before, and I thought, yeah, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go for a run. You know, and um, so, but that wasn't what the Lord had, and so. I got up that morning and I just went for a walk because it was in that place where I could walk that, that I was more concentrated on I'm really trying to hear God and, and what He has for me. And uh, just, uh, you know, you, I don't know if you ever get this, but you ever have those times where they're so defined because you know that God somehow has got you and you could be anywhere. You could be in the middle of the city. You could be, You could be anywhere. And But for some reason, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, and it's just you, and it's just God. And God's talking to you. Those, those places where you're like in a desert, you know? And you're in this desert, and even though there's houses around, there's people around, even though there's, there's many things going on, even though your to-do list is as long as your hand, there's so many things happening. But you feel like you're in this desert, and all is happening is you're getting ministered to by, to by God. I don't know if you've had those defined times. I've had those, where, you know. And, and so sometimes what I try and do is I try and copy those times, you know. Woo, that was awesome. I'm going to do that again. Where was I sitting? I was sitting here. What time was I sitting there? Oh, it was at 11 o'clock at night. Oh, what was I doing? Okay, okay, I'm going to get in that place again, you know. You have those times and you go, and it doesn't work, you know, I'm like. Well, that wasn't as empowering as last time. You know, and so you try and copy it. But because there's it's it's so defining to your soul that God spoke something so significantly to you that you just want to be there again, hey? And 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 on Thursday morning I just went for this walk and and you know just just concentrated on on what God was saying. And you know, it wasn't until after the walk about maybe two hours later, that I kind of like, I fell on my knees and I worshiped God. And, and I felt so much in this place of a desert that all I wanted to do was give praise to God. I, I was, could I say, it was, I was so dry, the only thing that could happen was God could fill me up. I, I was in a place of Kind of nothing else existed around me, but God was there to minister to me in the dryness of the desert, and I just wanted to, to, to have a place where God could just get to my life. And I don't know about you, but in the dryness of the desert is so defining for us individually that you, you can't copy it. There's nothing. You, you, if you make it a routine, it becomes legalism. If you get that, it means if you try and do it again, it becomes repetition. You get nothing out of it, but you start doing it and doing it and doing it. And then you start putting um, kind of like a rule or guide on that certain specific thing that you did. And maybe it never works again, but you become so bound by it that you try and recreate something only the Spirit of God can create. I don't know if you noticed, but in uh, John chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus went into the desert. He never went back there again and did the same thing. But isn't it interesting that in Matthew chapter 4, that it's most probably one of the most significant times of Jesus' ministry. It's the start of his ministry. The start of his ministry where something was about to happen. He'd just been baptized and, and, and now God the Father had, had, had acknowledged uh, this was his son in whom he, he was well pleased. And now he was going to kind of send him out for ministry in the wilderness, in the desert. Jesus started his ministry. Isn't it interesting that right back, one of the most significant things to ever happen to man was that, that he received the word of God in the desert. That that Moses, uh, the the Ten Commandments, was given to Moses on on a mountain that was in the middle of nowhere. And he received that word. And here we have the word itself. And the word became flesh. And Jesus, right here in Matthew chapter 4, was starting a significant ministry to the world, that we got the written word in a sense, the Ten Commandments, on a mountain in the middle of nowhere, given in the wilderness and say, and here we have now, a few thousand years later, we have Jesus, the word that became flesh, is starting his ministry in the wilderness. It started with nothing around him, just like Moses was told to go up into the mountain by himself. There was like this this absolute nothing, but where God could just get at Moses, where God could just get at Jesus. Isn't it interesting that right in the Garden of Eden, there was nothing else around, but there, Adam and Eve, by themselves, with no one else, no other man, but them, could actually walk with God. They could actually be ministered to by God with no one else around right there in the garden. And then we get Moses who received the written word, the Ten Commandments on the mountain somewhere in a wilderness where, else, where no one else was around because he was so high up that he, he kind of needed to be up there with God. Then we get Jesus who comes to this place where he's going to start his ministry, where the word of God is going to come into the world and the world is going to see the word. And it's right here in the wilderness because it says that the Spirit of God was the one that led Jesus into the wilderness. You know, if I was God, I would have most probably said, okay, Jesus, you've been baptized. Now it's a good time that you go get your 12 disciples because you're going to need some help. You know, you haven't really done this before. So it'd be a good time to go get some help. But no, God decides that, you know what? I'm going to lead him on his own into the wilderness where he's going to learn to fight for me. He's going to learn how to hear from me. He's going to learn everything that he needs to learn so that when he goes into the world, when everything else is distracting him round about, he's going to have learned in the wilderness on his own how to hear the voice of God. How do we define those moments where God touches us in the desert and it doesn't kill us, but it refreshes us? It doesn't lose us, but it brings something to our soul. Because the Word of God says just after here, when he left the desert, it says that the angels came and ministered to him. I don't know about you, but there's something that happens when we have this full-on encounter with God, where we are just blown away, that we're, we, we feel like, and I'm sure many of you have been there, when you, you're in this place, I mean, I could go back time and time again and, and remember where God had, had I'd encountered so deeply the presence of God that also I, I, felt, I felt so alone but so filled. I felt like I was in heaven right there. As I sat, as I listened, as I absorbed the truth of God's Spirit ministering to my soul. And nothing could distract me. It it makes me come to a place where I realize that this is the most important thing in the world to hear God speak to me. And so here we have where God says the Spirit of God leads Jesus into the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. Of course, he was very hungry if you fast for 40 days. Very hungry. Maybe he got to a place even at times where he was not only hungry, he was very delusional. That his senses most probably were starting to lose some of kind of what he felt or what he thought. Hungry for 40 days and 40 nights. Interesting that in the wilderness there was no worldly distractions. There was nothing that could turn him off. There was no telephone. There was no iPhone. Okay. There was was no mobile phone. There was no PlayStation. There there was no husband or wife. There was no children. There was no money. there There was no career. There was nothing to distract him at all. But it was the easiest place where right now the devil could get at him. He was at this place. Where now, if anything, the devil had free reign. God to me was was if, if there's at this place when we are at this place where the devil can get at us, it's a time now where God was gonna say, Are you gonna be loyal or are you gonna be disloyal? Are you gonna be loyal and are you gonna hang on? Or is it gonna be a time right now where you yourself could give up? See, there's these, these times when people feel at this place where they feel so alone in a big world, in a world full of materialism, in a world full of busyness, in a world full of wealth, that somehow for some reason, so many people feel so alone. So many fe- people feel like they don't have any friends. in, 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 in such a, a big world, in a big I mean, you know, we have in, in, in Sydney four million people. Four million people, yet how can someone feel so alone? How can someone feel so disconnected, feel like they're not wanted, feel like they're rejected? And, and it's at those times when, when, when we come to that place, when we feel kind of like, when we put everything else out of our sights... And we we come to a place where we want to say, can I be alone with God? It's even at a time where the devil could so easily attack us and, and we could find ourselves. Now we're going to say, are we going to be loyal or are we going to be disloyal? Are we going to be loyal and hang on? Are we going to be committed? Are we going to really surrender to God? Are we going to be at this place where we're going to just want to hear the voice of God? Or it's a time where we could so easily just slip away. Slip away. And right here, Jesus, as he's led of the Spirit into the desert, the Spirit of God, as he is attacked by the devil, attacked, full on, just nothing is held back here. It's, it's right here that the devil attacks every part of not just Jesus, but really every part of what is open to mankind physically. Man is always wanting food. The devil attacks that. He says, Yeah, turn these stones into bread. Acceptance and power. If you're the you're the son of God, you know what I mean? Well, you know, I'll give you all this. I'll give you all this 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 prosperity, I'll give you all this power. And Jesus turns it down. We have this place where, where he even says, here, you know, if, you, if, 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 if God says this in his word, he manipulates the word. So the first place he gets to is he gets to this place where he says, Jesus, you're hungry? Of course he's hungry. He's been fasting. But he knows there's a lot of hunger going on there. But God, Jesus says to, to the devil right there and then, he says, but it's not by bread alone that man lives. He's not saying that you don't go and have no food. He's not saying that you miss out on Maccas, okay? But he says it's not bread alone, but it's by every word that comes forth out of the mouth of God that man should live by. See, why is it? Why is it that we're so hungry in our souls? Because physically, we're a nation that can feed ourselves, but spiritually, we're not feeding our soul. And see, that's where he tried to attack him. The devil tried to attack Jesus by saying, you know what? Physically, you need food. You should eat. You should eat. This is the most important thing to keep you alive and to keep you kind of physically functioning day to day. You're kind of getting a bit hungry. Maybe you're getting a little bit delusional. But this is something that you need for yourself right now. You need some food. And God says, that's not, Jesus says, that's not the only thing that I need. I need something more. I need the Word of God that will feed my soul. And see, that's what mankind's not doing. They're not feeding their souls. We can physically feed ourselves. We know that. We can. There's so much food in this world. I mean, we can. We can eat to you know, kind of like we're kind of so overdone that that we just can't eat anymore. But God says that, Jesus says the thing that you need more than anything else is you need to feed your soul. That is more important than the physical food. And I love it. When God just somehow, when we cut everything else off, when we stop every other distraction, And we put ourselves in a place where we let the word of God just feed our soul. I don't know if you've ever been to that place where you've eaten nothing but only the word of God. I I, I came to an interesting place about uh, last year when I was in hospital. Because, I mean, you know, some people, you know, they would fast, but you still drink water or you have lollies or whatever. Well, not lots of lollies, but kind of some lollies. But 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 I came to this place when I was in the hospital. And I could not only just not eat, but I couldn't even drink. I couldn't even drink water. And uh, they said uh, the only thing I could drink was was they could, I could have an ice cube. I don't know if you've ever done that, but... But an ice cube does not do it for you. Um, If you've never experienced that, well, just try it. Don't eat anything for eight days and just get an ice cube every now and then and just wiggle it around in your mouth and wait for it to melt. And it feels like it's doing nothing. I mean, I was going to the toilet and I was going not to the toilet itself, but to the tap and I was getting just water and putting it in my mouth, but because I was not allowed to, to, to drink it, I was spitting it out again. And as I was getting the, the, the water, it was so refreshing. It was like, oh, this this feels so good. But don't swallow it; spit it out. That's all I could do. That's all I was allowed to do. And and then they they come up to you and, and they go, they go, uh, you know, would you like TV? Um, and that would be five dollars a day. And I thought, yeah, i will be good, you know, watch Friday night football. And I felt the Lord just say, you know what, no TV. Just let me minister to your soul. I'm like, I'm in the hospital, I'm dying, I can't eat, I can't drink, God, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Give me TV, give me something. And the Lord said, no TV. I'm going to minister to your heart. And so for eight days, I sat in there I really didn't eat until after about five days. I couldn't drink, I could have an ice cube. And all that God could do was get at my heart. All He wanted to do was feed my soul. And you know, out of all my hospital experiences, it was mostly the greatest one I ever had. Because that's about the fourth time I've been in hospital. It's not. I don't want to encourage you to go to hospital or have an experience with God. It's not what I'm trying to promote here. But when God wants to get at you, sometimes it's going to take the dryness of the desert for Him to speak. Sometimes it's going to take a place where everything else you can be, you can, you've got, you know, we we don't want to be legalistic about cutting things off. We don't. Well, you have to do it if you want to become a strong Christian. And I don't want to be legalistic. You know, don't watch TV. Don't listen to the radio. Don't, don't do this, don't do that. We don't want to say that. I don't want to put a rule on you. That's the last thing I want to do. What I want to ask you is, do you want to experience God? And if you want to experience God, then you better put some things in place so by where your soul is free, it's dry, it's in a wilderness, so that the Word of God can get to your heart. I don't want to put a rule on you and say you have to do this. Because if you put that into a rule, you'll never do it. You'll hate it. You'll get nothing out of it. But if you do it because you want to let the Word of God minister to you, I can guarantee He'll minister to you. See, if I make it a rule, you'll become bound in Christianity. Christianity was never there to bind you. God says that His Word is there to free you. His truth will set you free. It won't restrict you. It won't bind you. If it brings you back into bondage, you never really got the truth. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Oh, the devil knows the Scriptures. And the devil can manipulate the Scriptures whereby we are so focused on one piece of Scripture that we miss the jigsaw puzzle altogether. See, you know what I find? That we can manipulate the Scriptures to say what we want it to say. We can use the Word of God and we can be so focused on one area in God's Word that we we miss the rest. See, I mean, God says that the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, a treasure field of riches. That a man, when he finds it, he totally leaves it and he keeps going back for more. And he keeps going back for more. Because as he uncovers some, he starts digging more and he finds more and he finds more and he finds more. It's like it's never ending. And so here, Satan is manipulating the scriptures to say what he wants it to say. Oh, do we do that at times? Of course we do. We use the word of God at times to back up how we want to live. See, it's different when we want to live the way God wants us to live because we come to the scriptures with an open heart, with an open mind saying, God, teach me through your word today teach me what you want me. Where sometimes we we go through the scriptures and we look for the verses that are going to support how we want to live. So we manipulate it to a place of how we want to function, how we want to be. I mean, we can all all find uh, verses uh, in regards to, you know, God works on both extremes at times, you know, some people are going to be rich and some people are going to be poor. God wants that. Some people are going to be kind of like living in in, in a Western country, and some people are going to be living in Cambodia. Some people are going to be living in Japan. We've got to see that God works in in different ways in different areas. Some people are going to see many people come to faith. Some people aren't going to see as many come to faith. We, We can manipulate it to whatever we want. But I believe God has such a big spectrum of the Word of God that we've got to start seeing that there's a bigger puzzle than what we have. And that we have to come to the Scriptures and not manipulate it to what we want because Jesus says to the devil, he says, God, the Scriptures also say, Okay, the devil, you're quoting a Scripture there, but it also says this. So when you get both extremes, what Jesus is saying is, Okay, you're reading this, and and on the other side I see this, you've got to bring a balance. There's a balance, and the Word of God says in Proverbs that if God hates anything, He hates an unbalanced. He hates it's where it's overbalanced, one way or the other. He says it's an abomination against Him. And so Jesus brings the other balance so that we can balance our lives up. A double-minded man is unstable in all his way, because a double-minded man is like jumping from one extreme to the next. One extreme to the next, where God is saying, hold on, hold them both up. Have a look at what the scriptures are saying and balance up your life. Use wisdom. And if you lack it, he says, ask for more. And so the scriptures at times, we, we, I mean, if, if anything, Jesus right here could have been very delusional. I mean, he could have been at this place where he, he could have kind of like, kind of like, you know, not comprehending much. You know, I mean, when you've not been eating food for a long time, you you could be kind of just kind of like really starving and and your mind's going a bit crazy or kind of like you're getting confused. And you know, at times that's us, isn't it? We were getting confused. We're not really understanding. We're kind of like in, in problem solving time where things are not happening for us. It's not going exactly how we want it to go. Things are just very different. Jesus was delusional, maybe at that time, or he was very hungry and things were happening. We get very confused. We get very kind of in in problems and we get stressed and we get overburdened. And God just says, Hey, weigh up the scriptures when it comes to these problems and see. How these problems should be worked out as you start weighing up the scriptures, as you start weighing up my word and what my word says. How does my word say when it comes to when you're broke? What does it say? How does the word, what does the word say about, what about when you're very, very rich and you've got lots of money? God says there's, there's both issues there, so weigh it up. God says if if you're you're having problems in a relationship from a a forgiving point of view where you're very overbalanced in one area where you forgive for anything, or there's the other area where, where you never forgive at all. So weigh up both scriptures. When do you deal with someone that's in sin and when do you forgive them? Weigh them up and get wisdom from God. Don't just, and so there's so the problems and the issues and the stresses of our mind. Jesus says here, but doesn't the scriptures also say, what does the scriptures say for where you're at at this time in this place in this world? What does the scriptures say for how you are and what you're going through right now? Weigh it up before God. There's, there's places there where He can definitely show you. The place where you can try and find the balance of how God would want you to respond. So God says that there's a manipulation at time where we read what we want to read but we don't read the other balance. He says there was manipulation, he says, but he also offered him power. The devil offered Jesus power. The devil offered him food, of course his stomach wanted food the devil tried to confuse him and manipulate him at that time because he was going through a hard time, because he was finding it very stressful maybe, and maybe you're going through a stressful time and you're finding it very hard, that's a good time where the devil can get at you. It's in those times where you're going through a hard time, where you're going through a stressful time, that you can easily break down. Your your relationships can easily break down because you're going through problems where it's the time where you should be pulling together harder and stronger. It's those times when, when you're going through kind of like problems that you can easily go to a place where you start feeling depressed and lonely, where God's saying, hey, there's a community, maybe you should connect into it. There's others, maybe you should talk to them. But we're in our problems, we don't see that. And so here's a, the devil trying to manipulate him so that somehow the devil can, can win him and Jesus would become disloyal. And he would lose his commitment to doing what he really needed to do, and that's win the world. So in your problem, where do you go? Do you go to the Word of God, which has the power? If you're struggling with God, if you're lonely, if you don't know where you're at, do you go to the Word of God where there's power? Do you go to the people of God that can give you the scriptures to open you up to the Word of God where there's power? Or do you stay depowered, unpowered, disconnected, so no light shines into your heart to show you a better way than how you're living now? So you just don't plug the PowerPoint point in, and so you don't get connected to the power of God, so there's no light to shed. All you do is you walk continually in darkness to the problem you have, so he manipulates it. the devil would want you to be at that place of delusion, so that he can beat you, that he can win you. He would want you to be in that place of confusion and frustration, so that he can win you. Remember Jesus was in that place for a number of days, and maybe sometimes we need to go in there for a number of days and fight. And let the Spirit of God teach us. But at the same time, we'll be fighting with the devil because he's trying to draw us away. He's trying to get us. And sometimes it's not the quick answer of, oh, I prayed, but it went away. But no, I prayed and I fought the battle because the Spirit of God led me into the battle. See, God knew that the devil was going to tempt him. And God said, God thought, wow, this is a good place for Jesus to go. This is going to be a good fight. See, if you're going through frustration now, this is most probably a good place for you to go because maybe this is where God can start drawing you to himself. Isn't it that the word of God says that he's come to heal the brokenhearted? Oh, well, Jesus could have been brokenhearted here. He could have not been healed. But no, he let the power of God serve his purposes so that he could win the fight in the desert where no one else was around but the devil. But he could win the fight. There was manipulation of the word of God. And then, 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 then he offered him, the devil offered him everything that we all want. And that is in some ways man's own glory. And so here the devil said to him, you know what, Jesus, if you take this word, if you, take, if you look here, I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the powers of the kingdom. I'll give you popularity. I'll give you acceptance where people will love you. Everyone will want you. Everyone will ask for your, for your, for your advice. Everyone would want to come to you. He said, I'll give you all that. And Jesus' response here is, he says, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I'm sure a lot of us fight this whole acceptance problem. Does, do these people love me? Do they really want me? Do, do, do they, they, they... You know, I think what builds us up more than anything is feeling accepted by others. Feeling accepted by others. I, I don't know, I had this thought. Maybe it's a crazy thought. You can gauge for yourself. If you think I'm wrong, that's cool. Just don't stone me. I think, you know, when God says that, that it's, it's better to prophesy, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because it builds us up well it says it encourages people but it also makes us feel good not just by God but that others see good in us and we feel accepted by them and so uh, uh, deep down there's, there's this thing that makes us feel good about ourselves because others have seen the goodness in us because they spoke something into our heart or into our life that was encouraging and so we don't just feel good by, from God but we feel wow that person really thinks that of me. I feel really kind of like accepted. I feel really like I'm, I'm worth something. And it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's wrong. But is it that God knows deep down that one of the values we seek the most is man's acceptance? We sometimes even seek it over God's acceptance. And so, is it that, that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'd rather you prophesy and encourage so that you would build up the body. Is it that when Jesus said, here, it's only him that I should worship, that even us at times find it hard to stand alone in the desert And say, you know, God, I'll just live for you and you only. But really, it would be good if I kind of knew a lot of people accepted who I am. If a lot of people kind of wanted me, I could just really flourish there if they really wanted me. If they really wanted me in that ministry, I could just step in there and be a real blessing. But sometimes, it's like I believe that God wants us to stand alone. And he wants us to be able to say, you know what, God? If no one else is around, if, if I'm here for the next 20 years on my own, I'll still worship you. Why isn't it that God wanted to test Jesus to see if he would stand on his own? And I believe that. I believe that that's the ultimate test of someone that is going to move forward spiritually. The ultimate test is, can they stand on their own? The scripture says if someone doesn't hate mother, father, brother, sister, or even things, it's not that they hate. God's saying, if they don't accept me beyond everyone else, they cannot be my disciple. See, God's testing whether you would really Stand alone. And I believe that the ultimate test is, before you go into something greater in ministry, is can you do it alone? I believe that God takes a man or a woman, not being gender kind of like discriminatory here, but God takes a man or a woman to a place of loneliness, of the desert, where he Worships God alone before he takes a man to a place of ministry with a lot more people. And if you can't stand alone, I truly believe this, you'll find it very hard to minister with the multitude. If you can't hear God in the desert when nothing is around, you'll find it very hard to hear God. In the distraction of the busyness of everyday life, have you heard God alone? Have you worshipped God alone? Have you surrendered to God when you're alone? Have you walked in the desert of dryness so that the only thing that can fill you up is God alone? That's where the power is. The power is not in the people. The power is in the desert of the dryness. And the word of God says there, at the end, he says, and then the angels came and ministered to him. There's something about being alone where only what you've experienced, where you felt you were in heaven, where you felt so connected and close to God that it was an angelic and a divine moment. Amen? Only you felt it. Only you knew what was happening. Because the angels came, and with the Spirit of God, they ministered to you in the desert on your own. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you that, Lord, you've taken many people to this place of being alone. Lord, and if there's someone here that hasn't been to that place, God, I let, I pray, I pray that you would you would do that in the coming days. That they would be so in the desert. They would be so in the dryness, God, that you can really get at their soul. That you can really minister to their heart. It won't be about the food they eat. It won't be about the people they hang around with. It won't be about one piece of scripture. It'll be about you, the living God, ministering to the wholeness of their whole being. And if that's you this morning, if you know you want to go to that place and you feel that's where you've got to go, then this morning I pray that you would ask God to take you there and to let you go to that desert of dryness and let him speak to you. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.